Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. Now today I'm joined by Simon Chasser, CRO at Clarotti, and we're here to talk about the risks cyber attacks now pose to human life. Simon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. Yeah, no worries, mate. Um, could I just get a little bit of background on who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm the Chief Revenue Officer for Clarity, the leading cyber physical system security company. Um, prior to joining Clarity, I was the Chief Revenue Officer for NTT globally for the cybersecurity business. Nice one. Thank you for that. So just to get this conversation kicked off and kind of set the scene, um, what exactly do you mean by cyber physical systems and how are they now being connected to the enterprise's networks? So cyber physical systems are basically any physical systems that is now networked as part of the overall, um, I suppose, digital transformation agenda. So that can be anything from an IoT device, like a CCTV camera, for example, to things that are within the building, like uh, card access systems or fire systems. It can also go all the way down to programmable logic controllers or human machine interface machines, which are part of the factory floor, for example all the way through to IOMT devices like blood analyzing machines or MRI machines, all of those sort of connected physical environments or physical systems that are now connected and need cyber protection. Got it. And how has the connection of these cyber physical systems increased the security risk facing organizations? Well, more and more, the digital transformation is meaning that you're connecting devices that basically drive automation or create some sort of efficiency within an organization whether it's sort of monitoring gas flow through a pipeline or whether it's you know giving back data on when the uh, MRI scan machine is working or not working or actually what scans it's delivering and how it's transmissioning that data over to uh, a central data point all the way through to a connected fire system and how that then you know sounds an alarm to connect through to somebody else to send the fire trucks as well as maybe you know, initiating a, an extinguishing system, for example. So they're all networked within um, a broader ecosystem of the enterprise network. And that means that the, you know, being connected as part of digital transformation means that they, they're open to lateral flows of risks from a ransomware perspective that come in from an IT network uh, entry point, but also through the, uh, the doors that are open for a lot of these automation vendors that connect in to provide maintenance to these environments are open backdoors directly into the industrial or uh, IoT-based uh, environments. Could you explain some of the impacts of these attacks? Because I think when people think about this type of attack, they think, yeah, loss in data, um, leaking of personal data, down systems. But is the is the situation more severe than we think? And can is this even putting human lives at risk? Well, malactors have moved away from what was PII or personal information extraction for any financial gain. Uh, and it even sort of moved a lot away from PCI, which is that sort of consumer or credit card information um, for financial gain. It's very much become commoditized. Now what uh, malactors are seeing is that a business operations or a business continuity is the greatest leverage, you know, being able to shut down operations and, and using that. So that really is where the issue comes, where they see for financial gain that shutting down the production of a, a food and beverage account or an automation uh, automotive vendor, for example, 
means that they are losing revenue. They can't um, you know, deliver on their supply chain uh, obligations. They have issues with their um, you know, distribution network, etc. That means that they're more likely to react faster and pay the ransom if you impact that business continuity through the operation. So these devices now connected now pose a, a risk to the ongoing uh, revenue cost and human life of the organization. And just taking that one step even further, I mean, do you think we'll see more stories of ransomware deaths in the future? Well, I think that the the issue comes where you've seen um, even prior uh, issues like the, the chemical change in the Osmar uh, water um, facility or the, the Florida water facility, for example, where they tried to change the chemical mix of chlorine um, by directly accessing the, uh, the operation environments. See many more where they've actually had deaths in hospitals because of uh, malware that's got in and impacted a machine um, that has taken, you know, or, or delivering some sort of life support. And we've also seen recent ones in you know, Spain, for example, where there was uh, actors, malactors actually arrested that had impacted a nuclear sensor facility. You know, so these these do have direct impacts on human life. The challenge is, is will they actually be recorded as a as a death that's associated with a with a cyber attack, or will it be recorded as an industrial event, for example? Yeah, it's an interesting point because obviously, you know, we we have no idea how many people have died because ambulances haven't got there in time um, because of down systems, or the medicine didn't get to the to the right area because of down systems. Um, is this an issue that you think is going to continue? Do you see these things getting recorded more accurately and properly in the future. How are kind of authorities kind of reacting to this? Well, one, the threats are continuing to increase on, a, on an exponential scale. Um, malactors are, are really seeing that there's a huge financial gain to, to leverage out of business continuity by impacting physical systems. And I think that it's going to continue to grow. They're, they're going to continue to get monetary rewards and they're ultimately going to you know, attack more and more. And I think that the the way in which we're seeing a response is uh, through Critical Infrastructure Act um, policy changes like NIST-2 that was recently passed under the European Union, for example, that I think comes into law around about the 18th of uh, October 2024 for all member states. And that's 26 countries that need to now provide a, uh, a cybersecurity solution for their critical infrastructure and operational environments, all the way through to the Patch Act that was just passed in the U.S., and effectively what that's doing around their critical infrastructure environments. And critical infrastructure has a, has a you know, either a narrow um, consideration or a broad consideration because the critical infrastructure of Germany, for example, will also include the automotive uh, industry, whereas you'll look in the Middle East and it will be all the oil and gas, for example. So there's critical infrastructure that goes from water facilities to gas to, to food and beverage to life sciences and pharmaceuticals to hospitals and healthcare, as well as automotive, for example. Understood. Yeah. So, so I guess with all of that in mind, what can organizations do to secure these cyber physical systems? Well, first of all, they need to understand what they've got connected in their environment. And a lot of cases, uh, organizations don't know um, on this journey at the moment. You know, Gartner, I think, predicts that only about 10% are actually on that um, stage where they've got full visibility to all their assets. So a lot of organizations are trying to find out, okay, what is connected to my environment? And no longer does it you know, support like a, a, an Excel spreadsheet, somebody going to site and cataloging all these devices. They need the right tools that speak to the right um, protocols that allow them to collect this asset uh, information digitally 
From that, they can identify their vulnerabilities and whether that's an end of life device or whether that's a device which has already got a, a known uh, exploit uh, or has highly um, vulnerable environment um, firmware. And ultimately then from there, they can start to look at the anomaly that's occurring within that environment by monitoring it. And then they can start to connect that into the broader IT security um, control environment and and ultimately get to a point where the three lines of defense, and it's a, it's a cybersecurity term, means that ultimately the OT environment or the uh, IOMT environment is the first line of defense in terms of securing that, that physical system endpoint. And then ultimately you've got your GRC, you've got your SOC, and then you've got that reinforced from your corporate audit to ensure you've got the full protection of all of these physical systems that are connected. But it starts with getting the right tools, like a Clarity product, for example, that effectively collects that information, identifies what they've got connected, gets the vulnerabilities, and effectively starts to monitor that environment to provide the alerts and uh, provide that cybersecurity protection. Very well said. Simon, thank you so much for coming on to the EM360 podcast today. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. It's been great. Yeah, no reason. And thank you to everyone who listened. But before you go, I wanted to let you know about the Big Data and AI Expo happening in California on the 17th and 18th of May. Tickets are available on ai-expo.net or available in the link below. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. But until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, please head on over to em360tech.com. <laughs>